I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about mind games. Would you say that with me? Mind games. Do you ever hear the phrase, oh, they're just messing with your mind? They're just messing with your mind. And I, I've discovered that in life, that if you're not careful, your thought process can take you down some dangerous roads because your, your thinking, I want you to hear me, your thinking can get twisted. How many of you have ever, how many of you have ever found yourself, you're just sitting or meditating or sometimes it could even be in church and you're sitting and you're thinking about something, then all of a sudden your thoughts are way out here in left field and you, and you stop and you think, how in the world did I even get over there? What, what caused me to think about that? And then you start trying to retrace your thoughts and say, what, what took me there? And then you go, oh yeah, I was thinking about this. And then that made me, and then you're thinking about it all over again. It's like a merry-go-round you get on. And what you have to do is you have to restrict your thought process. Everybody say, I, I never forget, I heard a person say one time, well, I let my mind wander. And the person sitting next to, or standing next to them said, you really shouldn't do that because it's too small to be out there by itself. <laughs> now, how many of you know that we can, when, when we cope the attitude that we can handle it, we're on some dangerous ground. When we get to the place where we feel like we can navigate life and we don't need any help and I don't need anybody telling me what to do or how to do it, and, and unfortunately, that's prevalent in society. Now think about it, because a lot of things that we are built on, and thank God for our freedoms, but do you understand our freedom from tyranny came from rebellion? Amen. Now, I want you to stay with me for a second because there are some things that you need to rebel against. There are some things that you shouldn't submit to. But when it comes to God, don't find yourself in a place of rebellion with him because that will lead to destruction. Now, let me give you an example. The very first person that's ever created. We've got Adam and Eve, right? And their fall came about because of a thought process. So let's eavesdrop on that conversation, if you will. Serpent, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit of the tree from any of the trees of the garden? Eve. Of course not. We, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. It's only the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. Serpent, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like him, and you'll know both good and evil. All the serpent did was plant a thought in her head. And that's all it took. The serpent didn't grab the fruit off the tree, get Eve in a headlock. Come up here a minute, Deb. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> get, get Eve in a headlock and take, I wish I'd have thought about that illustration. I would, okay. 
If I'd had an apple, anybody got an apple on you? Get, get Eve in a headlock and force that. that it, that's not what happened. All he did was affect her thought process. He planted a thought, he planted a seed in her head, and she did the rest of it herself. How many of you have ever become victim to that? You know what I'm talking about? Somebody just passed by and they say, I had a guy call me up years ago when I was evangelizing. He called me up and he said, hey, Rick, do you know what they're saying about you down here? It was in another state, you know, that I'd been evangelizing. He said, do you know what they're saying about you down there? Do you know what I did? I said, no, and I don't want to. <laughs> because, and that's not because I'm super spiritual. That's because I knew what would end up happening would be he would put something in my head and then the devil would use that against me and I'd be thinking about that and meditating on that and then I'd get all worked up. Well, how did you know that? Because I had done it before. <laughs> I'd become a victim of that once before. I remembered I was, you know, I, I was in an organization and, and, and I, I was in the, the youth director and, and I was doing mission work and, and apparently all of a sudden it came to me, man, you are the topic in the board meetings. There, People are saying, what's a youth director doing mission work about it? Man, and all of a sudden, and that's all they had to do. And then all of a sudden it started working in my head. Well, I can't believe they're in there talking about me behind my back. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm going to do, bless God. I'm going to go in there and let them say to my face what they're saying behind my back. I'll knock them out right now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? We get all worked up. And that thought process leads us to a road of destruction. And so the fall of man didn't come. I, I want you to stay with me because I'm going to mess with some of your theology but understand this, the fall of man didn't come about as an act of rebellion. It came about from a thought process because it, it becomes a thought before it ever becomes an act. Amen. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, what have you been thinking about? <laughs> Mind games. The devil was playing games with her mind. He was messing with her mind. How many of you have ever followed sports? Thank you for that testimonial. <laughs> but in one of the key ingredients in sports with athletes, and I know, you know, it's about, well, you know, you, you do, you, you, you know, you, good sportsmanship, that's just, you know, you don't act out on the court. But what they'll do is they will whisper in your ear. And they'll, they'll start messing with your mind. Michael Jordan used to be, you know, everybody thought Michael Jordan, oh, he's just this stellar, you know, he was one of the worst trash talkers you ever saw in your life. He would, he, he, I remember Carl Malone was shooting and he made a basket. And, you know, Carl Malone used to be a postman. And, 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 and Jordan walked up to him and passing by him on the court and said, you know, the postman never runs twice on one day. <laughs> Trying to get in their head. 
He was on, he was on in the court, and he, he, he slam dunked on Stockton, that little short guy. Well, I mean, he was short when it comes to basketball, you know, that played for the Spurs, I believe it was. And, and he, he came over him and slam dunked on him, and uh, some fan in the crowd hollered down and said, pick on somebody your own size. <laughs> he must have had a megaphone when he did that. <laughs> Jordan heard it. What did he do? The next play, he came down and he took the tallest guy on their team, jumped over his head, slam dunked it, and then he hollered back up in the stand and said, is that big enough for you? <laughs> it's mind games trying to get in your head, and that's what the devil does. The devil doesn't just stand up and say, I'm the devil, I'm about to attack you. No, it comes as a thought. It comes as something in your ear, something in your spirit. You'll even you don't even have to hear it. See, here's the deal is the devil knows how to play the game. And if you're not careful, if you can't, if, if you can't get control of it and you're on a court, that they'll have you so messed up that you won't be able to shoot a basket because everybody's gotten in your head. That was one of the things. What was the guy's name that was such an obnoxious player? Who? Rodman. Thank you. Isn't it odd? His name, it came out over, uh, out of everybody that's ever played in the NBA, I made that one word, the guy that was an, an, option, uh, an obnoxious player, and everybody, Rodman, Rodman, Rodman. Why? Because he, this guy was one of the worst sportsman but I, he, he knew how to get in your head I mean he had I think it was Shaquille O'Neal that just hauled off and knocked him you know I mean he got he got so in in their head that they he'd get those players so mad it was like I'm gonna rip his head off you can't play the game do you understand the scripture said that we're not ignorant of the devil's devices the devil will try and get you so upset with someone that instead of praying for them, you are declaring curses over them. That he'll get you so upset with someone that, you know, even, even in your family, you know, among family members, it's, you know, I've got, I forgot we're live streaming. <laughs> I've, I've, you know, this is really crimping my style, guys. <laughs> We, I, I have seen where, where family would not talk to family. I, let me use somebody else's family. I, was, I, was, <laughs> I don't even remember their names, but for years that we were preaching in Mississippi and found out that this mother and daughter had not spoken to one another for 20 years. Can you fathom that? And all because somebody let the devil get in their mind. I'm telling you, life is too short to, to let him rule you that way. Get him out of your mind. The old saying is, well, you can't, keep, you, can't, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep him from building a nest in your hair. So Paul talks to us in Romans. And he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Everybody say me. 
a living, everybody say alive, sacrifice. What's that mean? It means you don't live for yourself. It means that you, you, you pull back on things that your flesh might want to do and you become a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now listen to this part. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What's he saying? He's saying don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, let God get in your head. Now watch what he said. He said, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is your intellect. It's the way you process. It's the way you think. It's the way you perceive things. Transformed, the word transformed in Greek is metamorphosis. It's, it's that process of changing things. It, it, it does something unique. It's like when, and they call it a metamorphosis, when a caterpillar becomes what? A butterfly. How many of you have ever picked up a caterpillar and looked at that old grubby looking thing and oh, you're so beautiful. Look, look, he's so beautiful. See, see his little... But a butterfly, I mean, how many of you ever chased caterpillars? Oh, one for my collection. <laughs> but butterflies, people travel the world over to see butterflies, the monarchs that make that, I think it's the monarchs that make that trip down to Mexico. And, and they're, I mean, it's just, I've, man, they have, they have made it to the big screen. <laughs> butterflies, I've never seen a caterpillar make it to the big screen. You know what I'm talking about? I went to that, that place in St. Louis where that, what's that called? That Omnimax, thank you. And, and I went in there and, the, and there were the monarch butterflies. I've never gone to the Omnimax to see the green caterpillar. <laughs> Metamorphosis, it changes us. Everybody say, a change. change. By the renewing. This is a unique word because this word means renovation. <laughs> Let me give you the definition of it. Making new after decay, destruction, or deprivation. What's it saying? He's saying from the beginning, the devil got in our head. And since that time, our thoughts have been under attack, decaying. How many of you have heard the, the, the phrase, oh man, they've just got a depraved mind? It's been under attack. And, he, and, and here is the apostle saying, God can change all that for you. God wants to get in your head and renovate it. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, you look like you need some renovation. No, don't say that. Say, look at your neighbor and say, I need some renovation. I, I need some, I need, I, I, what, what are those big shows? They've made a fortune off of these shows where they, you know, move the bus. We need to get the greyhound out of our head. 
we need to let God go to work in our mind. Everybody say, go to work, God. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Look, I, I have known, I have known millionaires that couldn't find peace. Some people make the statement, well, if I just had money, man, it'd be everything, it'd be okay. Do you know that 90, 90 plus percent of people that win the lottery are broke again within seven years? So money didn't work out for them. I'll give, I'll, I'll cause him to be at perfect peace whose mind Howard Hughes was one of the richest men in the world, and he became a, a madman from his own inventions. He used to hire guys to come in and swat flies for him in a room, honestly. He, he, he had gotten to the point where he became so paranoid he had people that tasted his food. And, you know, so he, he became a prisoner of his own thinking a prisoner of his own invention. But here, the scripture tells us that he'll keep you in perfect peace if your mind, if your intellect, if your thought process is centered and stayed on God. How many of you know that the battle always begins in the mind? How many of you have ever had an argument with your wife or husband? Wave your hand. We're going to have an altar call for all of you that aren't telling the truth today. <laughs> Remember, no, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> How many of you have ever had an argument with a sibling? How many of you have ever had an argument with anyone? How many of you just never say anything at all? You... The battle always starts in the mind before you ever, before Debbie and I, you know, we've only had, what, maybe one or two? <laughs> I, lose, I, I lose track. But I promise you, any time that we've ever had a discussion that escalated... We thought about what we were, and I'm going to just tell you right up front, there's a lot of arguments we haven't had because I kept my mouth shut. I just thought, it ain't worth it, man. I mean, I've come up with some zingers in my head. I have, I have had some thoughts that you, that could be encased in a golden shrine for zingers <laughs> but it's not worth it because all it took was a thought to start Eve down a road of separation from God Amen. you can't you you have to recognize where the battle begins it starts here and if you can get a hold of it here you can keep it from escalating. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 says, For the weapons of warfare are not carnal, 
but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, I had, I, literally in my notes, I had worked out, I had gone through and I would broke down all these Greek words and I thought, boy, I'm going to show them. And then I, I, I looked at another translation and they'd already done it. <laughs> so I'm just going to read you this other translation. This is from God's Word. It says, the weapons we use in our fight are not made by humans. Rather, they are powerful weapons from God. With them, we destroy people's defenses. That is, their arguments and all their intellectual arrogance that oppose the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive so that it is obedient to Christ. How many of you have ever thought something that you knew wasn't of God? Well, quit thinking it. <laughs> but I mean, I couldn't help it. I thought it. Well, just because you thunk it doesn't mean you have to do it. Get a hold of it. Bring it into captivity. Don't let it continue out there. Amen. Cast it down. Casting down imaginations. I will give you this in Greek. The word imaginations in Greek is logismos. It's where we get our word logic from. And it means taking an inventory of and trying to reason it out. So here's what God's saying. I don't want you trying to figure me out. I don't want you trying to reason me out. I'm not up for grabs. You, you, you're not going to put me on your board of logic and be able to discern who I am because my ways are above your ways and my thoughts are above your thoughts. What's he saying? He's saying you can't figure me out. But you can choose to trust him. <laughs> you can choose to trust him. Everybody say, just trust him. Look, folks, sometimes you just need to make a choice. So how many of you have ever gone, it'll happen today, I promise you. Some of you are going to go to lunch today. Well, probably all of you will go to lunch today. And this conversation will ensue before you start where you want to go eat. Oh, it doesn't matter to me. Well, let's go down to Sergio's. No, I, I, don't, I don't feel like Sergio's today. Okay, well, how about we run over to 17th Street? I, I, you know, I don't, just don't feel like barbecue. All right, well, how about, okay, I, I got it, I got it. Let's, let's go into... Carbondale, we'll go to Panera. Ah, Panera, all that bread. I just, well, where do you want to go? Doesn't matter to me. <laughs> you lie, you fry. <laughs> What's saying? We say, oh, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter. But then we, insert, you know, and, and how many of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this because I don't want to cause any problems here. How many of you have ever had that conversation and it just frustrates you to no end? Anybody? I didn't ask anybody to raise their hands. Their folks couldn't wait to get their hands up. <laughs> and it's, it's like, well, it doesn't work. Sometimes you just got to choose. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, just choose. So here's the default button. You got 10 seconds to decide or we're going to McDonald's. <laughs> I 
I guarantee you there's a decision coming in a hurry. <laughs> Listen to what Joshua tells us in the book of Deuteronomy. He tells an entire nation this. He says, today I've given you a choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. How many of you know that God is a witness to the choices we make? And earth is a witness. Everybody around you witnesses your choices. How many of you have seen somebody make a choice and you go, oh, I can't believe they're, they're doing that. I can't believe they're doing that. And, and you, you could choose better for them, right? Right? Amen. George is honest. <laughs> I've been trying to choose for my kids for years. We can always see what someone else needs better than we're able to discern what we need. And so we have to learn how to make right choices. Joshua's saying, look, man, I'm, I'm setting this before you. Life and death, blessing, cursing, heaven and earth are, are witnessing this. He said, oh, that you would choose life. I wish you'd choose life. I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I... I, I I wish I could make the choice for you, but I can't. He said, I wish you'd choose life so that your descendants might live. Whatever you choose is going to affect your family. If you choose to fuss and yell at each other in front of your kids, it's going to affect them. If you choose to disrespect your wife in front of your children, then don't get upset when you have a son that won't respect his wife. If you if people say, well, you know, and I don't, I, I, I try to remember, I don't do it all the time, but I try to remember, but, you know, opening a door for a lady is not something that you ought to look at and say, well, man, that went out with the dark ages. Come on, guys. I mean, how much effort does it take to open a door and what it does is it communicates. You know what I've done before? I've, I've, I've opened Debbie's door before, and, and I started around the car. And this has happened on several occasions. I started around the car, and she opened her door up, and I looked at her and said, okay. She said, oh, wait. Jump back in and shut the door. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? Jump back in and shut the door. And then, then if I don't, if I forget it, <laughs> I had my hands full, went and opened the door, I turned around, she's still sitting in the car. <laughs> she said, you started it. <laughs> what I'm saying is this, is it takes so little effort to show appreciation. I mean, how hard, it, come up here a minute, babe. How, how hard is it? you know, for me to open a door for her. And how hard is it for, just grab my arm a second. You know, squeeze on it like you do sometimes. <laughs> Go ahead and do that. Go, ooh. <laughs> how, how hard is it to, thank you. How hard is it to just make your husband feels like, like he's all that? 
it's a thought process because here's what happens is we get in a vicious cycle. A man's number one need is to feel respect and honor. And a woman's number one need is to feel love and security. So if you ignore her, she doesn't feel love, which makes her feel insecure. And if you disrespect him, it'll cause him to not want to open a door for you. It'll cause him to, are you with me? And so we produce a cycle. All I'm asking you to do is look at our culture today from the head down. We have gone off the tracks. And I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but from the president on down, we have gone off the tracks when it comes to simply showing respect Amen. and honor. Amen. It's not a political statement. It's just about life. It's just about doing it's, here's what it is. It's about learning the game and not letting the devil get an advantage on you by getting into your head and invading your thoughts. Somebody say it with me. Just make the choice. See, we've been sucked into believing that our circumstances determine whether or not our life experience is going to be filled with love and joy and peace and all that. We've been, we, we've been reeled in with a hook in our jaw saying that the only way that you can experience peace and joy and love is if everything's going right in your life. But that falls short when it comes to the Apostle Paul that's getting ready to have his head chopped off. And he's writing to a young man named Timothy saying, I fought a good fight, I, I finished the course, and I've kept the faith. When he looks at those that are trying to keep him from going to Jerusalem, or I'm sorry, from going, yeah, going to Jerusalem, because there he's going to be arrested. And he said, why are you trying to break my heart? None of these things move me. I'm ready to give my life for the cause of the gospel. What was he saying? He was saying that I've got my mind focused on him. It's not the circumstances that surround life that bring you joy and peace and love. It's where you determine to focus your life that will bring you that. Proverbs 23 and 7 says as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I've, how many of you have ever seen anybody that was kind of like a Barney Fife? How many of you even, raise your hand if you don't know who Barney Fife is. Hold it up, don't be ashamed, hold it up. I, I, had, I had some young people at my house one time, and I said, would you like to watch Barney? And they looked at me and said, we quit watching Purple Dinosaurs a long time ago. I said, no, 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 not Barney. Barney, Andy Griffith. Andy, you know, the deputy sheriff on Andy Griffith. To, so let me translate for you. Barney was kind of a know-it-all and a braggart. 
He was always telling Andy how he ought to raise his son, and he was single and didn't have any children. But I did read the Sunday section of the paper. So you, you, you get where I'm at? So sometimes people think more about themselves than they ought to. And other times, people think less of themselves than they ought to. I'm just telling you, you probably ought not think of yourself at all and keep your thoughts on him. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If, if, if you're always beating yourself up, you're going to live a defeated life. If you're always bragging you're better than somebody else, nobody else is going to want to be around you. Thoughts are powerful things. Let me tell you a true story about a man that was working a freight in a freight company, and they asked him to, it was quitting time, but a, a train had come in, there was a boxcar, and they asked him to unload this refrigerated boxcar. And it was after hours, and he said, I'll take care of it. And so everybody leaves, and he's unloading the boxcar. And as he's unloading the boxcar, he accidentally swings the lift out, and he knocked out the prop that was holding the door open, and it shut. Now, the problem was is the door couldn't be opened from the inside. It could only be opened from the outside and so he founds him he finds himself trapped in this box car they found him dead in there the next morning for no reason at all you say what do you mean for no well when they they couldn't figure out why he was dead until they started re As a matter of fact see the reason he shouldn't have died is because the refrigeration didn't work on the box car it was 65 degrees in the boxcar, but he didn't know that the refrigeration was, was broken. And they couldn't understand why he was dead until they found some scribble he'd written on the wall. And on the wall, this is what they found. They, he wrote, it's getting cold in here. And then a little while later, he said, I'm getting colder still. And the last thing he wrote is, they're going to find me dead in here frozen. It was 65 degrees in the boxcar. But in his mind, he was freezing to death and his thoughts killed him. His thought process killed him. I've heard it told before in the medical field about people lose the will to live, the determination. They just, their, their, their mind gets focused on dying instead of on living. But Paul said, whether I live or die, I am the Lord's. What's Paul said? Paul wasn't focused on dying, he was focused on God. And so, when he becomes our focus, things change. In a book called uh, Switch On Your Brain, Dr. Carolyn Leaf wrote, when you think, 
you build thoughts. And these become physical substances in your brain. That man that was trapped in that boxcar literally was building a substance in his brain that shut down his heart, his life. It just ended it. She said, "Your when you think, you build thoughts. These thoughts become physical substances. What we set our thoughts on can be dangerous. Philippians 4 and 7, it says, in the peace of God. Everybody say peace of God. That word peace means quietness, rest, set it one again. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What's he saying? He's saying God's able to set you at one with him again. And then that will keep your heart and your mind Amen. through Christ. When you get focused on the right thinking. Now listen to what it says in verse 8. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Everybody say one final thing. Fix your thoughts. He said, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these or think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. How many of you know when you're thinking good thoughts, you feel good? Y'all must be thinking some miserable thoughts out there. When you think good thoughts, how many of you are thinking about fried chicken right now? Well, pastor, I wasn't until you mentioned it. Now I'm hungry. I'm just waiting. Because usually all you have to do is yawn, and then whoever's looking at you starts yawning. Why? Because you're messing with their mind. You're getting in their head. You're, they're seeing something, and it's affecting them. And we were at a uh, restaurant on Friday night, and Debbie yawned real big, and the waitress went, oh, no. You know, she's, she's fighting off a yawn because she saw Debbie yawn. We're influenced by those things that we see and we hear. They get in our head. And here he's saying, so you ought to fix your thoughts. Since you know that that impacts, you fix your thoughts or things that are true and honorable and right. In her study, she said, as we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. I want to show you this clip to show you how powerful the mind can be. Go ahead, guys. Today's mission, place this seal under the freezing conditions of hypothermia and see if it impairs his physical and tactical performance. The tools of the test include an obstacle course, a shooting gallery, and a giant tank of ice water. The water has reached a chilling level, about 55 degrees Fahrenheit. The scientists expect Stu to last no longer than 30 minutes before they'll have to pull him out of this icy bath. How's it feel? It's cold. Just breathing deep. Heart rate went up to 100. 
The cold water is a sudden shock to the body. So we've immersed him for an hour in ice cold water. And look at him, he's cold, he's fatigued, he's stressed. We've got him to the position where he is uncomfortable physically, he's uncomfortable mentally. Now we're gonna see how he perform in the exact same scenario we put him in before. Now, the true test. Obstacle course and firing range. Can he match his earlier performance when his muscles weren't aching and stiff? When his mind wasn't fatigued? When his motor skills weren't impaired by the freezing cold? Can he even perform the drill at all? Stu, you ready? I'm ready. Three, two, one, go! See this. Phil, come here. Show me where you're hit. Right between the eyes. Look at that. And in the hand. Hands in the center body mass of the target when he's presenting the firearm. Good shooting, brother. Good job. Under stress, under adversity, under extreme cold, Stu Smith outlasted normal test subjects and outperformed himself when placed in the line of fire. That's what special operations are all about. So after he'd been submerged in ice water for an hour, they pulled him out. But I want to share something with you we didn't put on the video. They expected him to last 30 minutes. After 30 minutes, he managed to keep his body temperature at 96 degrees because he was focused on his breathing and on his purpose. You see, the reason sometimes we fall victim to the enemy is because we're not focused on our purpose any longer. We're not focused on what God's called us to do. We feel like we're out there just on our own. But he said that if, I, if God be for you, who can be against you? You are not. an execution, he's still writing letters of encouragement to Timothy, telling him, go on, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry. What? When he talks about coming to the end, he said, I fought a good fight, I've kept the faith, I've finished the course, there is a crown of righteousness that's laid up for me. He had his focus on God. We get our focus on everybody else. We get our focus on family, on friends, on, on everything else, and it starts to rip us apart and tear us apart. But if you'd get your focus on God, this is what he said. He said, if you will, he said, I want you to be, I want you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. What's he saying? He's saying, look. Things aren't going to be any better for you than they are for your spirit man. You've got to keep your focus. 
See, here's, here's a problem. I think we don't know what God thinks about us. We've all got this misconception about what, how God feels about us, what he thinks about us. How many of you ever felt like God was up there with a big bolt of lightning and just waiting for you to mess up? God is my witness, man. I was a kid. I was I, I, 14 years old, maybe 15 years old, in a van with a bunch of friends doing stuff we probably shouldn't have been doing. Well, not probably shouldn't have been doing, but shouldn't have been doing. And a, we're, we're parked in this van on the banks of the Mississippi. A tornado comes through. There's, there's warnings, there's sirens. Wind is available. My friends are all up on the front dash looking out the window. Wow. Where were you at? I was laid down in the back praying, dear God, please. God, I know because I had a consciousness of the fact that I was doing wrong, that I shouldn't be there. And I'm in the back laying down praying, God, you get me out of this. I promise you I'll never do this again. I'll, if you'll just get me out of this, I'll never do it again. You know, and the truth was, is God got me out of that. And I found myself in another place praying the same prayer. God, get me out of this. I'll never do this again. Get me out. I'll never do this again. And I always had this feeling that God was going to speak to me and said, no. I'll let you off the hook once. Get ready. Because we feel like that God just wants to take us out. God doesn't want to take you out. He wants to take you over. He, wa he wants to rescue you. He wants to change things for you. But until your thought process gets that. So what I did is I put some... I, 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 I put some pills together for you today. Everybody say, get ready to swallow. So I want to share just, just three scriptures with you that maybe will help you understand the thought process, how God feels about you. See, we've got to learn to discern what God's th thoughts are concerning us and meditate on those. So Jeremiah 29 and 11 said, for I know the thought, this is God speaking, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, he's got a future for you. He's got something for you to hope for. He, he thinks good about you. Now watch this. This is the psalmist. He picked it up and this is Psalms 94, 19. When doubts fill my mind and my heart is in turmoil, you quiet me and give me renewed hope and cheer. What's the psalmist saying? It's, man, when my mind starts running away and I am focused on how rotten I am and how bad things are and everything that's going wrong, you step into my thought process and you bring me hope and cheer. You let me know that's not the way it really is. That's just, a, that's just the devil messing with your mind. In Psalms 139, 17 to 18, how, I love this, how precious are your thoughts concerning me, O oh God? <laughs> Let me say that again. How precious are your thoughts 
concerning me, O God. (laughs) Can you even fathom that God's thinking about you? Most of the time, we wonder if he even knows where we're at. A lot of times when we're going through something that's, that's got us in turmoil, we have a tendency to look up and say, God, did you see this? Do you see what's going on? Here the psalmist is confirming how precious are your thoughts concerning me, O God, how vast in number they are. I tried to count them. There would be more of them than there are grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. What's he saying? He said, you've been thinking about me all night long, and when I woke up, I'm still right here hanging out with you, man. It's just that you need to know that God wants the very best for you. He wants to do for you what you can't do for self. Would you stand with me today? Thoughts. Everybody say thoughts. Do you ever have any? Let me ask you a question. Don't raise your hand on this. You ever been sitting in church and all of a sudden get a thought in your head and the devil said, I can't believe here you are in church thinking something like that and you're supposed to be a Christian. Well, you're supposed to be a liar, so I'm just going to let you stay what you are. (laughs) And I'm not going to buy into your condemnation. But what I am going to do is surrender my thought process to Christ. Isn't it amazing how easy it is for us to criticize? But we have to work at complimenting. So turn around and look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to work at it. I'm going to work at it. I'm going to work. At, have you got your glasses? She, run up here real quick if you would. I want to shake her hand this morning. And Here, step up here with me. I want to shake her hand this morning before I shook her hand. She said, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. And then she put these on. Turn around so everybody can see. You know what your problem is? You're looking at the world through rose-colored glasses. (laughs) That's not a bad way to see it, is it? Thank you. It's not a bad way because he's the sweet rose of Sharon. If we could learn to think good and not evil, if we could learn to build up and not tear down, because it's all a mind game. And so every once in a while, you need, I was, in, I, I was in California, I'm getting ready to end, but I was in California. I was, I'd, I'd flown out there to preach a camp and there was a preacher there that was really good at chess, he said. And so I was playing him a game of chess, and he was good at chess, but he got a little bit too sure of himself. I didn't know that much about chess, but I was playing him a game and all of a sudden I saw an opening. And I moved one player and said, checkmate. What? What? Wait a minute. He studied that board for several minutes. Let's play again. Let's play again. If I hadn't thought that he wouldn't fly me home, 
I'd have told him, no, one game's enough for me. That's all I, you know, there's, I've got nothing else to prove here. We get sucked into these mind games. And those are never ending. So just don't go there. Don't let the devil take you down that road. Don't let it. Let me tell you, if God's got a refrigerator, your picture's on it. If he's got a wallet, you're in there too. You're not just children of God. You're sons and daughters of God. He knows you by name. You know, when we were gr growing up and my mom would get me in, in front of a crowd, she'd start introducing the children without fail. When it came to me, she'd put her arm around me and say, and this is the, my baby. I'm 30 years old, man, and I'm still her baby. It's the baby of the family. You know, when you're a teenager, 16, 17 years old, and you get in a family where you... And there's mama saying, and here's the baby. Really, mom? But you know what? I ever needed her, she was there. My dad died when I was 15, and she raised us, and she loved us, and we knew she loved us. If you ever wanted to see my mom turn into the purple people eater, all you had to do was start talking about one of her kids, and it was game on. Do you understand those feelings, those, that, that protectionism, that, that all comes from God. When Jesus was getting ready to leave, he said, all that you've given me, I haven't lost any of them. I've kept them all. Hear me. He wants to keep you. The only way he'll ever lose you is if you choose to walk away from him, is if you fall victim for the devil messing with your mind. And I'm here today to tell you that God loves you he cares about you. You say, but pastor, you don't know how many ways I've messed up. He does. And he still loves you. When he got that woman that was caught in the act of adultery, he rescued her life. He looked at her and he said, where are your accusers at? And she said, Lord, I have none. He didn't take her by the hand, look in her eye and say, okay, go back to what you were doing. He picked her up and he said, I'm not going to condemn you either. Now you go and sin no more. What's he saying? Get your thought process right. Quit letting the devil get in your mind and letting some guy sweet talk you and making you feel like you're a queen for a day only to feel 
left out and used the next morning. He loves you so much he'd rather die for you than live without you.